They're bad. They're boys. And occasionally, they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Admit I was a clown to be messing around, but that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. Hey, D Badders, and welcome to Bad Boy Running Podcast. This is a bit of an alternative episode, just me, so I don't know if that's good or bad, just David. We, um, over the course of the last four months or so, while I've been away on Golden Child series. We have been slowly going through the numbers of episodes and interviews that we've recorded. And with my two weeks in America and then a few guests not showing up, we've actually now reached the point where we, um, we are almost recording week to week. And so we thought we'd try an episode where I gave an insight a little bit to what it's like to be on the road with the Golden Trail. And I'll be in Madeira for the whole of this week traveling with the best um, kind of top 20, 30 trail runners, male and female. But then in addition to it being the World Series, they're combining it this year with the, the National Series. So in numerous countries around the world, there are individual races. So in the UK, for example, um, Ring of Steel is, uh, is one of them. In the States, we've already talked about Pikes Peak in the past on the podcast. Um, and most famous trail races that are kind of medium length are in the series already so if you're good enough that you've become I think the top three male or female in those in your national series you then also qualify for the Golden Trail national series finals so they've brought all these people together in one location and um, I'm now at the end of my my day two so I flew in yesterday and it's pretty crazy because not only do we have suddenly all these new faces, but they've put us in this resort, which is all you can eat with unlimited food from when you wake up to when you when you end, uh, when you go to bed. Um, at midnight, there's still a buffet going and there's unlimited wine, unlimited beer and unlimited cider, um, which is pretty risky. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But it's quite, it's quite interesting seeing how everyone's dealing with this because I think there's a tendency, particularly in endurance runners, to, to try and... Well, to, to eat a lot anyway. Um, but particularly before a series like this, um, people are always worried about taking enough, enough carbs. And now you've got the reverse situation where actually there's food everywhere and people are here all day long. So there's not a huge amount to do, <laughs> potentially stuff your face. So for the first time, I think in, in my race history, we could see people eating too much the day before a race, potentially. Um, but highlight so far, well, not highlight, but something that is almost inevitable of a race with this many people. We've already seen um, so many flights being cancelled. So one of the Kenyan runners is, is yet to arrive. Um, they've been delayed an entire day. We've had Ali, um, Ali Mack from the States, who's one of the top runners. She also, she's been stuck in London, got stuck in Denver, and they had to reroute. And so not only are people arriving 
um, in the early mile, early hours, the morning of the race. But quite a few people have had their bags lost. And unfortunately, one of the people has size 12 shoes. So they're in a situation where no one else has their shoe size. So they're just trying to find which pair of trainers has the best the best give for for someone who's wearing a, a size too small. Um, now I'm going to be talking to you through each day and get a little bit, hopefully, of insight, but also just telling you what's in the races and observations on how different athletes are approaching this. What's quite unique about this series, though, I think most of us as, as ultra runners who aren't kind of these high level athletes have have done the odd multi day. But it's quite rare when you're at this level to do back-to-back-to-back races because you might do an ultra, but actually there aren't that many race series that go over a weekend. It tends to be, if you think about the big races, particularly at this distance, things like Zagama, Sierra's now, um, are just one-off races that are massive. So for the first time, for most of these athletes, they're going to be racing in on multiple days. And, and the series has... These finals have five races. The first two and the last two, considerable. So we're talking between 22K and uh, kind of mid-30s with at least uh, kind of 15, 2,000 metres of climbing. And then the middle race has got a, as a 5K with about 600 metres of climbing. So you're still looking at something pretty punchy. And the runners have a choice. They don't have to do every race. Um, in the season, there's been six races. Your, your highest three races count. And the highest points is 200 points, and it, it then drops down. Whereas these races, it's 100 points maximum. Uh, it's 50K for the 5K. So in theory... It is possible someone could could run fewer races. And I know, for example, Sophia Lockley, who's coming from the States, she's racing in the um, in skiing. Um, she's an Olympic skier the weekend after. So she has, has said already she's not going to race them all. But it seems like everyone else is. Um, which is kind of crazy because the trail running world champs is the week after. And some of these athletes are certainly looking to double up. Um, but I think a lot of people came here thinking, I'll do two or three, having having not really thought it through. But the, the way the points work, if you um, if you do all five races and you come 10th, that is the same points as if you do three races coming fifth. And similarly, if you do all five races and come fifth, that's the same points as if you only do three races and come first. So while... It is possible, um, someone like Remy Bonnet, who at the moment in the men's has got a pretty chunky lead, might not have to do the last day of racing. Um, it's going to be a pretty brave person who who holds back from doing every race beforehand. Um, just because you can't... If, if you don't do one of those races, people can close the gaps so quickly. Um, it makes such a big difference. So at the moment, we've got most athletes going into these races not really sure how to race because they know that after Flagstaff or after Slander, which were um, pretty sharp downhill races, 
they they're in bits and so how do you then race five days in a row with such steep downhills and from what i can gather these are pretty technical trails as well and so the athletes are really having to assess what their strategy is um given that they need the points but at the same point um and and in some ways they want to try and encourage the other runners to to race fast as well to trash their legs and and what I'm not clear about, I, I know the series pretty well. I know these runners quite well, but I don't actually know whether it's an advantage to be a good uphill runner or a good downhill runner. Because when you're running the uphills, it's mostly lungs, and um, the impact on your legs is massively reduced um, because you're literally the distance that your each step hits the floor is less as you're going up, um, and the force you're putting into it is reduced as well. So. If you're someone like Remy or Danny Sands, who are, are, are very good uphill runners, similar with, with Ninka Brinkman, then um, you can go hard every day at your favoured section and you're not going to trash your muscles. Your lungs always recover. So they're going to be able to always dig deep in the first half of every race without worrying that it's going to bite them in the arse. But on the downhill, you know, as you all know, if you've raced a hard downhill, it absolutely can trash your legs. And you can get doms for days at a time. So I haven't figured out yet whether that's a huge disadvantage for the, the runners um, who are good at downhills. So in, in the women's, that would be people like Elise Ponset, Ali Mack, um, and Sarah Alonso, Caitlin Fielder on the slightly smoother stuff, same with... Um, same with Danny, but then in the, in the men's, uh, people like Bart and uh, Manu, um, both very good on the down. So I haven't figured out whether they're disadvantaged by the fact that they can't absolutely cane it, or whether because they are good at downhill, technically, but also <laughs> if you look at their quads, they've got powerful quads that are used to a pounding whether it means they can actually do the downhills relatively quickly without taking the damage. And that's why I haven't got a sense of. And I don't think I'm going to know that, or even a, a lot of these runners are going to know that, until day three, day four. Um, day three is the 5K, so whether we're going to see and be able to tell if more people who are the downhill um, excellers pull out of them than the, the, the people who are good at ascending... That, I guess, will show us or tell us what the answer is. Now, in addition to having the, the World Series, they've got the National Series. And even that isn't, isn't straightforward. So teams of up to six can come. And not many of the countries have got six runners coming. Because you qualify, but it doesn't mean you necessarily can take the time to take a week off or... Um, or, or really still would agree to. So there are some regions and some countries where I think um, Croatia and um, they, they, they pull some of the countries together. So, so oddly, Germany, massive country, but uh, Germany's combined with Austria. Um, and one other country, I think it was as well, just to, to get enough of a region. And um, the GB is a country by itself, America and Canada are combined. And so um, I think that's been partly based on how many 
substantial races there are in a region as opposed to how many athletes. But it does mean that there are some teams um, with six runners and some teams with, with only one. And there's an individual competition and a team competition. So the individual competition, you've got to do all five races. In the team competition, four of your runners out of the six can score every day. And if you don't have four finishers, then they score the time of the slowest person in the whole race. So there's this conflict between individuals and teams because tactically as a team, it might make sense to rest your runners a third of the time because if you've got six runners, four qualify, so four count, two of them don't have to run. But if those individuals also want to be going for their own personal um, overall win, where the top three can qualify for the World Series next year, which means they get three a uh, free entry to three races and and expenses, and the top five win money. Then there's that conflict, and there are a few teams where, particularly the teams of six, actually, um, or if you yeah the teams of six where they they have that choice, that do have some very good athletes, and I'm sure that will become a conflict because. Within those countries, a lot of the people don't know each other. And so I, I was sat on the, the, the bus of a guy called James, who's actually South African, but representing the UK because he, he's done well in our series. And that seems to be the way. So Caitlin from New Zealand is currently representing Spain. Um, bizarrely, even though she lives in Andorra. Um, so a lot of them have never met each other other than on the podiums where they've just kind of shaken hands. And so... I don't know how strong the national identity will be when you've got individuals not from those countries who don't have a team manager and don't know the other individuals. It's a very weak glue that binds these teams together. Now, in addition to that, there are segment crowns as well where you can win money. And um, there's the, the uphill, the downhill and the sprint section. And some of these are quite short as well. So if you want to do well in those, you're really going to have to commit to them because to be successful in them, you won't be able to pick them up just as part of your race by being fast in them because they're too short. And so the difference between you and someone focusing it is too great. Um, so we're, we're, we're racing tomorrow the first run. Everyone's going to be up at seven or so. And the great thing is that they're combining the world and the national contenders all together in the same races. And if you're in the the World Series, you get points for where you finish in the rankings. But if you're below National Series runners, you get fewer points. So actually, the 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 quality of the National Series is it could it could have a big difference on everyone else. And um, I can't wait to see who on day one who's not in the elite world series will be racing with the excitement of, I want to beat these people and running too fast because it would be super tempting to just look around and think I'm of this level, potentially not realizing they're not going full gas because they're doing all five days. Um, so that's the end of my, my first day check in on the, on the series um, I'll have a quick think if there are any other insights or anything else interesting that has, has kind of cropped up that might, you might find entertaining. It's 
the race day morning, day one, and um, you wake up for a flurry of messages because we've got all of the runners and all of the staff are all in the same WhatsApp group. So every morning when you turn on your phones, it's like of everything that's happened during the night. Um, poor old Ali Mack, who's flown in from America, had her train delay, her flights delayed. So you can see him on, you can hear him on the side of the road here. <laughs> um, she got in at one o'clock into the airport because that flight was delayed, only to find out. Actually, I'll continue this in a sec. Yeah, Ali Mack arrived at 1.30 in the morning. I had to get a taxi to get to um, the hotel because everyone else was asleep and they only took cash. But she only realised that when she arrived and so there was no way of getting cash out at that point. Then negotiate with the taxi driver to come back today, um, so he's he's yet to return. Um, we've we've also had quite a few people with no equipment, and so I've been handing out caffeine bullets left, right, and centre. But just hoping they realise they're not energy gels. <laughs> don't don't like start pumping them from the start. Um, but morning of the race, we've been up since six filming and um, heading out what happens hit a bump and we've got a flat so just had to change the tire in the in the rain we're now hoping we're not gonna be late for filming stress of the garden trail so uh <laughs> crisis averted although oh whoa <laughs> so we're trying to get to where we need to be relatively quickly but we can't actually see out the car because there's so much mist and even the tunnel there was mist in the tunnel and it was raining in the tunnel <laughs> but I don't know what Madeira is normally like there are um, waterfalls coming down onto the roads and there are rock falls that we're having to drive through so um, it's slow progress where's Ross McDonald's chauffeur driven service when you need it um, so I've now been dropped off and I've been running back along the trail towards where the runners are coming from because last time I raced I ended up running um, nine miles because I started from the drop-off point, ran all the way down the hill with the runners and then had to run all the way back, which um, we haven't got time to do that today because we need to be doing so much as soon as we finish filming. Um, but I've just run back the trail and it is properly nuts. It's been so wet this morning. There's huge puddles, but actually the trail itself has these steps that are they're not quite a meter but they're like a foot and a half deep but then massively changing angles on steep corners where you've got watery puddles in the middle and then a, a wet bit of wood at the front end of it and there's elements like that on this trail where I don't know how I how I'd run this if I was running quickly it's so unexpected and it's it's trail I guess but it's this weird hacked solution to how do we get down this cliff face it seems while still on trail so um i've managed to find a few places that are a bit smoother to run but ultimately i'm going to have to the mileage I'll, I'll do with these runners filming the the top 10 of men and women will take me past all these insane parts um and i'm just hoping that I can recognise those areas by the time I get there so that I don't end up 
with a runner coming towards me, starting to film, turning the corner, and then suddenly having to figure out what to do myself because uh, I'm going to be one-handed because I'm carrying the camera and also I've got a backpack on, so my balance is pretty ropey and they're quicker than me and I'm out of shape. So this could be an interesting day of filming. So I just finished filming day one and that was insane. I got a taste of what it was like to run at their pace in Flagstaff where it was dry and the real difficulty there was being able to see where you're putting your feet because the sun was so low. Here, it's so ridiculously wet and there's puddles but also um, there's quite a lot of slippery wood and running at their pace whilst you're in balance with a camera and just not as fast is super hard. So... In previous day, in previous times filming, what, what I try and do is get in a good position where you can see the runner coming. You then build up to pace. Typically, you'd then run away from them because you're, you're running faster than them, figure out what pace they're running, and then try and lock in on that pace for a little bit. Here, though, you, you just hear a stampede of noise coming around the corner, and I just have to run as fast as I could. <laughs> jumping around just trying to desperately scramble to figure out where my feet go and then depending on who it was and how good they are downhill within 20 meters to 20 seconds then just find a place to like crash out without distracting them too much it's been utterly brutal i don't know how these runners are gonna run this as fast as they had with uh well i'm buddy keep it going without um, absolutely wrecking their legs because not only are the, the steps big create difficulties with um, foot placement but you're jumping so much with full force down it and some of these runners are not holding back so um, for day one of a five day series wow absolutely brutal start day one ends with a half hour live show um, broadcast onto YouTube some of the segments are 10 minutes of footage that we, we talk to. And to, I've just realised how hard it must be for one of the new cameramen. They've come onto the series and their instructions were, like, pull out the footages of seven, eight different cameramen's footage of what they think is going to be important, tell the story... Um, and they've just arrived on the tour. They don't even know the name of anyone. And so they'll just be looking at footage with no awareness who it is, where it is on the course, and what the likely relevance of what's happening is. So incredibly hard job for someone. Um, I, won't, I won't name them because they, uh, they're new, and I think that would be a little bit unfair. Um, I mean, they've done fantastically. Um, but, yeah, we then had... 10 minutes of footage. If you haven't watched it, go and watch Anders on the downhill. He, um, I'll talk about it a bit later, the, the recap of day one. But, wow, he's giving it everything on the downhill. Start of day two, race two. So today they've got me running two segments, which is fine. Um, and actually, in terms of... The logistics, I can dump bags in the middle, go out in one loop and then come back in the other. My big worry is I've got the sprint section. And because it's the second day, 
people have realised now that they're probably not in the overall competition or they've seen that they can win a fair bit of money, um, a bit of kudos. And so not only are we going to have people relaxed throughout the run to save it all for that segment, but they've actually reduced the sizes of the segments down. Yesterday, they were typically two kilometres, which means that the very fastest runners who are battling it out were the fastest in all the segments, apart from Anders downhill. Whereas today, the sprint segment is 650 metres. And that means I've got to be filming someone who's fresh, who some of these runners are um, kind of 220, high teens marathon runners. And um, not only do I have to figure out who's going for it, because everyone's running through that part of the course, but... I've then got to film them in a way that demonstrates that they're going for that segment and somehow not block them on single track. So um, I'm a bit nervous because it is filming faster people running faster segments than I can run, even if I was down the track. So this is going to be uh, this is going to be tricky. Wish me luck. Oh, my God, that was insane. I've uh, just raked up 10 miles today, which really wasn't wasn't assuming I'd be running that much. Just finished the sprint section, and this year, so different. Sorry, this, today's so different. So many people are actually going for it. So we started off filming, well, I started off filming Remy, and he's leading the series, he's leading the race, and he goes for it on the sprint section. He clearly was feeling so good. He was like, well, sure, why not? Um, but then after that, we're trying to film people, but it's single track. It's on the, the edge of cliffs and there's no barrier on one side. And you're also, um, it's very windy. So when you're running back, you're having to, you need to run back quickly to pick up the next runner because ideally you want to film them right at the start just to see how they respond. So if the TV show can then get a sense of is this person going for it or not. But to do that, to run back quickly, you then can't hear if anyone's coming. And because it's single track as well and it's got these curves, people just pop out and surprise you. And so it's super tricky when when runners are going as fast as they can. And a guy called Andre from, um, from Poland, he's a super fast marathon runner and I was running as fast as I could, um, full out sprinting, and I wasn't able to drop him. <laughs> Just going around these corners and around one of the corners, I was looking ahead and like, this is all single track there's no point at which I can pull out so I can't but I don't want to slow him down because there's money on the line and you never want to interfere with what's happening around you so uh, I just had to keep on going so wow what a day of filming but also what a race the heat compared to yesterday was brutal and um, so many people have, have dropped out or dropped down the rankings so um, I've once I've figured out actually what's happened, because I don't know if people were injured or fell or exactly what, but the, the positions have changed so much that clearly things have gone on that I, I, I just don't know at this stage. So, 
Yeah, incredible day's racing. So round up on day one. Um, wow. <laughs> Such a contrast in different athletes. So, uh, and I'm, I'm also not sure how much I should or could say or um, about the athletes because obviously they don't know that I'm doing this. But um, firstly, a shout out to Sam Hendry from, um, from North America. <clears throat> he went wine tasting the day before the first race, which is a pretty boss move, really. You fly in in the first day, you've already booked in wine tasting. That takes actually commitment to uh, having a bit of fun. Um, other things that, that really stood out for me today was um, firstly... Ali Mack, who who won the race, I've mentioned already what happened to her and how she didn't have her equipment and things. Her bag didn't turn up. She still hasn't day two, um, but she ran with her phone the whole way round and with her uh, essential equipment in her hand because she didn't have a, a a bag to run with. Because most people have a spare set of trainers, shorts, but very few people have. A, well, no one has a spare backpack. So she ran with this massive brick. Go back and look. And she even took a couple of pictures on the way around. Like, she won. She loved it that much. Super funny. Um, something that happened that was um, pretty brutal is, is Manu from Spain, who's super fast at downhill. He, he carried poles um, with him to help on the up and then gave them to someone. And, and ran down without them. And, and unfortunately, the, the rules of the Golden Trail, and a lot of races are, if you start with poles, you end with poles. And um, so he got, he, he, unfortunately, he, he got disqualified for the day. Um, and pretty tough going, because he, he doesn't speak good English, let alone read good English. And the rules, I think, in sky running are that you can take poles up and, and not have to bring them down. So it just hadn't occurred to him. Um, but then... Really difficult, difficult position for the organisation because, unfortunately, you've just got to enforce the rules because you can't... No one really wanted to, to ban him, but you can't change the rules for anyone because if you do for one person, then everything changes. Um, it's, 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 it's really noticeable, actually, the, the difference between the men and the women in their, their approach to the race. Um, so... Particularly in the segments, you've got, I think, a lot more men just absolutely blitzing it. And I think the females are a bit more sensible and, and, and not giving it as much. Like Elise Ponset, who's super good on the down, she came third overall, but she was 90 seconds quicker on the downhill um, segment, which is just insane how good she is. Um, Anders, who, who won the downhill overall in the men's he fell five times on the way down um and there's there's some great footage of it as well and he he realized he had the wrong shoes because it was dry at the bottom wet at the top and it was so unbelievably wet and he there's just nothing he could do but at that stage he'd emotionally committed to trying to win the down and that's that's the commitment he had to do. He said he crashed out at the bottom and had to run back up to finish because he just had no way of stopping. Um, I won't say which athlete, but one of the athletes came in really, really low, almost thirtieth place, and and they were one of the one of the favourites because the week before they'd been forced to 
to race a, well, not forced, but heavily suggested from their sponsors, we think, to um, to race a qualifier for um, one of the UTMB races. And they were just broken from start to finish. And that just makes you... Ah, the, it's, it's really frustrating, actually, because I think that's the trouble with having different race series um, because partly it's because it's Salomon... I think it's because it's a Salomon race series, Salomon sponsored, which causes conflict and they're trying to resolve that. But um, there's so much of a of a focus on UTMB, that, UTMB races, that the brands are pushing hard. As soon as someone's good, they're like, right, you need to qualify for next year. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's going to cost them massively because um, I could see this being... The, and already we're seeing the difference between them finishing top three for the whole series and struggling to be top 10 because they're just so brutalised from um, for the weekend before. So day two, wow, um, different day and really different race because you've got the national series who are generally not as good runners but who are in it for very, very different reasons. And there's almost a conflict, actually, in, in people's intentions, which is quite hard, because you're trying to race for your team, but then at the same point, you you can race to get a golden trail ticket or you can race for a segment. And racing for a segment is not only really fun, but you get good money and you get a bit of kudos as well. But if you're racing for your team, you can't do that. And so... There are some teams where, um, for example, Team Austria, you think actually some of these athletes could probably get some of these segment crowns, but they're they're really focused on trying to win it. Um, and Team Austria is also, I think, Germany's with them um, all together in, in one team. And uh, <clears throat> it's almost a shame because you, you don't get to see the true reflection of, of what could happen. But today, suddenly the National Series really got what the segments are about and that you can't just be good at those segments and run slightly faster if you want to win them you have to fully commit so as you heard from earlier people were absolutely sprinting for the men's and um from a filming perspective it was it was, it was actually quite tough for the women's as well because the 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 i can really notice when the guys are gunning it because their pace is just so ridiculously quick Whereas when the women are going for it, because um, relative to my top speed, they're you know slower, I struggle to, to know, like, is, is this someone who's just fast at, this, fast at this stage of the race or are they really going for it? So it's super hard to actually film them properly. Having done all of that, um, it then looked like all of my footage was lost, like my whole day, 10 miles of running, which is pretty super frustrating. Um, but th- thankfully, we had enough time that people could go back. And it, so the process when the footage is finished is we copy it all. And if you think about how high quality that footage is, it takes a long time to crop it, copy them across. You then have to reduce the file size to be able to edit with them because they're too large to be able to edit that much footage and to go through them. And so during that process, the um, they hadn't transferred across properly my footage, so caused some issues. But thank, but even even within all of the 
we, all of the footage recorded, the the end of the the team don't have time necessarily to look at every single bit of footage by the time we do the live show at eight o'clock. So we're having to go through and figure out the story of the day, reflect that in the for ten minutes of footage that night when we we're not even sure what's in every camera um, and what we can reflect in the story because sometimes you don't get the shot sometimes um, they, it's, the angle's not quite right because you're having to run unusual lines um, and so it's it's really really hard actually the time pressure on turning around a live show is um, is super tough um, and we're filming from we get up and start filming and we finish at nine o'clock at night, which doesn't sound that bad. But when you're absolutely smashing it around all day on the, on the course, it really starts to build up kind of back to back when you're you're only running a few miles less than the athletes, but you're working all day long. Again, today, um, same as yesterday, we saw the rules having to be enforced, which is unfortunate. And it's it's quite surprising how few athletes know actually all of the rules in a series, um, which I, I don't know if that's surprising or not, actually. I guess when you go into a race, you don't really think about it because it's, it's not that frequently that there's controversy and until it happens to you and then you're like, oh, right, I didn't know that was a rule. And, and that's the trouble. There's, there's a lot of rules, and particularly with courts involved, which we've mentioned before, they've got their own rules as well. So... Unfortunately, really sadly, Danny Marino, star of yesterday, of, of taking it easy and, and not even racing so she could smash it today. Um, people went out today thinking it was going to be um, potentially like yesterday. And depending which app you're reading, it's very hard to actually know what the weather's going to be on the island because you're at a different height. There seems to be a slightly different weather system in each valley. And... Um, it doesn't necessarily show up on the satellites. You know, I've, I've looked at really good satellite images of things moving in for yesterday, and there's nothing there to suggest it's going to rain at all, let alone it's going to be an absolute downpour. So, for example, Ninka went out wearing Gore-Tex trainers, the same shoes she wore yesterday, and having a bag on her cast because she thought it was going to shit it down. And that meant for a lot of runners, they didn't really think about their their liquids and, and taking on board enough liquid until it was almost too late because you had the uphill quite early on in the race. They then ran round the edge, this beautiful trail um, that turned into the sprint section and that was all in the shade. But there's still the humidity, so the athletes are really picking up the pace picking up their temperature before they then hit the final climb in the sun and by that stage it's too late you've missed the aid stations and so people were falling apart massively we saw El Hussein who was in second drop down to 20th because of cramps we saw Petramamu who was in third drop down to I think something like 14th oh sorry in her 8th um Filaris, who was in second, dropping down to five. And and sadly for, for Danny Marino, she was in fifth all the way around. And just, we think, we think it was heat straight, but we're not sure. 
dropped down to 14th on the last hill. And, you know, this is someone fresh who just hadn't hadn't crossed their mind that heat was going to be such a factor. She had to have a drip and she's ended up in hospital. And unfortunately, under court's rules, if you have a drip, you're out because um, they have to put it in. Partly for, you know, they need to be able to force people to take drips, but it, it's too much of an advantage if you allow athletes to have drips and there's no repercussions because it's it's such a shortcut to to being fresh again. And so it's got to be on the rules. So yeah, sadly for Danny, not only has she had, she missed yesterday tactically and then her first race of the season, so first race of the finals, not only is she in hospital, but that's it. She's out of the series. Um, absolutely brutal. And we're, we're hoping, well, we, th- we think she's going to come and film with us now and be a camera runner because then at least she's going to have fun, feel part of the tour rather than even if you have two days holiday, it's not going to be fun, is it? Um, just knowing everyone's out there and, and not being involved in any way. Um, but tomorrow is a time trial. They're starting two by two. We th- we think it starts with a sprint. We're still not quite sh- quite sure, um, and it's only five k, so it's going to be brutal because people are already hobbling. Bart, who took over five people on the way down the last hill for third, cut his knee open. He's hobbling around, so people are really starting to flag now, and a five k is going to be so tricky because no one knows really at what pace to run it. And it's hard enough running some of these trails, let alone when you're tired. But running them at 5k pace, there's going to be a lot more falls and a lot more injuries, I think. I hope there aren't. Um, obviously, it makes great t- TV, but yeah, I think I get the sense tomorrow is going to be brutal. Ali and Sophia took today off, um, so they're going to be back fresh. And uh, if it starts with a sprint, it's going to be amazing because yesterday people understood a little bit about the, t- the time trials, whereas today I think, so tomorrow I think some people are going to be all out. So I'll update you tomorrow on how that's going. And big shout out to Thomas Roach, who Brit, who's gone to Austria for eight or nine years. He's racing for Austria, but he came second today adds a non-elite um which is super cool and he looks strong and he he was holding back he said a bit because he's 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 doing it for the team and he's conscious that he needs to run as many as possible so i mean he's he's up there with like a tom evans level of ability i think um which is great to have you've now got tom evans you've got john alban and add to that list thomas roach because Yeah, the guy can move. See you in the morning, guys. So, summary's in day two. It was carnage today, actually. Um, You forget that it's quite unusual to do multi-day events. In ultra running, it seems to be um, far more frequent, but actually... If you're a top-level athlete, it's so rare that you have to go all out two days in a row. And um, the second day was actually much hotter. 
and because of the the way the island is, it's super humid, and um, I don't think the athletes expected it. And there are also these segments uh, where the um, day two had two climbs and two quite big descents with a sprint segment in the middle, and that actually just almost suckered in some of the athletes into going too quick. Remy um, tried to blow up his rivals on the hills. And while, while I, did, I never try and... I don't like to group people just for convenience. Uh, you know, it's, it's very obvious that the African runners have all massively struggled on day two. Um, all four of them struggled. Um, one of them dropped from third to 20th, another from second to 14th. Um, Robert dropped out completely and uh, Faris was in second and, and ended up fifth and it, it really surprises me because there's, there's not I don't think an obvious reason for, the, for this to happen other than um, race nutrition it, it could be that I mean it could be that they they haven't trained as much for back-to-back, but I, I just don't think that's true necessarily because I don't think many of the athletes actually have. And actually, the, the way the the management of African runners tends to be, they're almost sheep, they're farmed out like sheep. Um, they race far too frequently throughout the season. And we've seen some of these athletes where they're competing every weekend in the the World Cup in Switzerland and then coming out the next weekend in Sierra's now and and so if anything they're probably more used to overtraining and over racing than anyone else. But it was quite quite long today, um twenty six K fourteen hundred meters think of a sense, but I think because at the start of both days, you couldn't really tell what the weather was going to be. We looked at satellites yesterday. You couldn't see the storms coming in, although if you looked at some apps, you definitely could. And today, it wasn't that clear either, um, although it did suggest it was probably going to be nicer. 22 degrees doesn't sound like that much, but it's probably the equivalent of when we had that really hot London Marathon straight off the back of the beast for the east and having had a completely rain-soaked day everyone came out like Ninka was wearing her um her Gore-Tex shoes and had a bag for her cast because she she thought it might go the same way as day one in the weather and because I, I just don't think the the African athletes are as used to having nutrition because they they don't necessarily go to the longer races, um, and they're just they're just not in that mindset, and so they weren't drinking early. And in a race like Golden Child, there's there's limited aid stations. Um, it's not like the London Marathon or something. Actually, it's more similar to a race races that we do. And so, once you're behind on your nutrition, you're not going to be stopping at an aid station drinking an entire bottle and then refilling your bottle and so um but but also you know 
one of the athletes I was speaking to, they've never heard of electrolytes. He, he was saying to me, because uh, I, th- I think he was worried he's going to be in trouble because I've been trying to encourage them to understand um, nutrition for the last year and a half. And he's like, no, it's, it's not it's my legs, you know. It's my legs cramps. Um, I had my gel. And I, uh, I drank water. And I think he'd had one gel, one bottle of water in the um, the two-hour race in the heat. And um, it was they started drinking too late, from what I can tell. Um, Petro didn't drink anything to the first aid station, according to um, you know, what Remy observed. And Remy was actually kind of giving him advice in the press conference. Um, and... Uh, I don't know whether this is down to the management of uh, of the runners, or whether it's it, it's just that Golden Trail races are so unusual compared to where they normally race, and and everyone thinks of of Kenya and Ethiopia as being incredibly hot, and, and now Uganda actually, in terms of good runners, as being incredibly hot. But um, while that's true of Ethiopia where these athletes are living and training are at altitude and you know, Kenya's not particularly hot where you know, in Eten and so they're coming into completely different conditions and when they're in Europe typically they'll be in Switzerland which yeah, altitude again not super hot so they don't really have to consider race nutrition until they get to marathon distance and even then remember when we spoke um to uh, Dr. Jones, Professor Jones, um, Andy Jones, he was saying even for the sub two, the original one, he he thought that they they were still um, while we're talking about that. I don't think he's talking about that specific project. Actually, very cool. Um, that he did feel a lot of the top African marathon runners were still running low in nutrition because it, it, they're just not used to it in any way um, and so that was the factor today um, Remy won again Ali and Sophia the two American runners who uh, um, one's got their eye on the, the ski season um, one's got their eye on the world champs next weekend uh, didn't run today so um, it's kind of one horse race in the, the women's and uh, tomorrow we've got a 5k time trial and the, they're going to pair people up based off their overall times. But if you've had a, a dropout for one of the days, you're going to start first. So actually, we've got Ali and Sophia starting first, and we've got Manu and Robert. Uh, Manu, because of his pulse situation, I can't recall if I've mentioned that. Um, yeah, I think I have. And um, Robert, who dropped out today. So instead of having the typical time trial where you're the, the slowest person is our first we're going to start with two of the fastest pairings and then everyone's coming coming through afterwards what's going to be super fun is that the segments in a 5k are far closer to your race speed for the top athletes Um, and I think some of the top athletes are going to be tempted into going for the segments just because it's super fun and motivating and they enjoy it Uh, so I think tomorrow is going to be very, very fast. 
they've put me on the uphill. <laughs> My biggest weakness. So um, I'm going to be warming up properly and getting some caffeine in me because I'm just not as quick. I, you know, I just can't blag being fast on the uphill tomorrow. And um, and one other thing from, from today that really unfortunate, Danny Marino, who had the first day off, um, unfortunately, she she really hit dehydration issues. I don't know if it's linked to anything else. I don't think she's that sure either. And ended up on a drip and ended up in hospital on a drip as well, just constantly vomiting, which certainly could be heat exhaustion. You know, it's a classic sign. But um, unfortunately, under the rules, if you take a drip, you, you're out because uh, it's too much of an advantage otherwise. If, uh, if you're allowed to people, have, people to have drips, everyone will be doing them every day because it, it's just that good at um, replenishing you. So super sad for her. She's um, it's had quite a quiet year, really, with um, quite a few but situations in her life that have been tough. And um, and so to come here after a you know, a, a sensible build up, I think she's she's pretty pretty cut up by it. But we're trying to we well I've said to her to come join us on the film team because she's super fun. She's on the island anyway, and actually there's probably nothing worse than knowing it's all happening, seeing it on Instagram and, and all social media, all your friends doing it, whereas at least she's filming. She can really feels like she's part of it and um, and kind of see a different side to it. So it's going to be fun to see how she finds it because the first few days aren't easy. Day two, over and out. So day three, time trial. They've actually moved it to the afternoon. So it's brutal because... You, you race at five, and your next race is nine o'clock the next morning, and it's a long one tomorrow. Apparently, it's because the area we're racing, there's, there's just too many people on the paths during the day, and so they've, they've, they've held it for a time when they think there'll be fewer people on, on the paths because none of the routes are closed. Um, they're all open routes for the whole race, which is pretty crazy when you think, that there are intervals, uh, you know, segments where people are going absolutely flat out on single track. But I'm really excited about today's uh, today's race, um, today's stage. We it gives us the chance to actually do some filming. So we were off to to ride a toboggan down the hill. If you haven't seen Madeira, has a it, it's almost like you're sat on a couch where the two gondolas push you. And you, you slide just down the roads of Madeira. I don't know who came up with it. I'd love to know the history. So we're going to go and film on there. Um, and gives us a chance to actually film the episode that we try and put out um, and do some interviews with the athletes to include in that. Because there's, there's three different um, things being recorded simultaneously for us. Spanish Salomon are here filming their journey. And then there's the media team from around the world, whether that's uh, Sweden um, Runners World or the Polish uh, Trail Running Magazine. And I can't remember who the, the American individual is. Uh, we didn't get someone from the UK. I did invite um, Runners World and Men's Health and didn't seem that, that interested. And I, I thought that was quite insightful. Um, my take on it is that 
like a whole week while this is you know truly a dream job for me and I think for a lot of the athletes like a, almost a dream holiday um I think runners world is in the UK they've got so much to do that if you've got a week essentially away from your desk to cover one story it's uh, maybe not seen as a just a, a good use of efficient time so I'm going to get try and get feedback for them to try and understand actually because I, I think if you're a blogger or if you're a, a vlogger an influencer it would be a dream trip um, all expensive paid but maybe when you've got work on at the same time it's just too much but uh, I will be reporting after the the time trial oh boy <laughs> wow definitely time trial <laughs> it was immense. Um, we we don't know what the well. I say we. I I don't know, and a lot of the other run and most of the other runners, unless Remy's come a week early, uh, have no real idea of what the course is going to be like in advance to film. And this one was just incredible. At the start of the the Madeira Islands, there's this chain of really small kind of outcrops rocks that link up together. And so we just ran along those. And it meant, from a filming perspective, you could see the runners cut, pouring down the hill, then coming back up the hill. So for a change, it was actually, it was easy to get things right. We knew the order runners were coming in, so I had a, an inkling of who was going to be going for the uphill sprint, which I was filming. But also, you could, you could see from the way people were tearing down the hill if they were going for the overall pace or if they were readying themselves at the bottom and how they ran through the timing mat where they were going for the uphill segment. So um, because it was 5K and Danny was filming as well, it meant we had more camera runners per kilometre. So for a change, I had uh, there's two of us on the uphill segment, which was made it really easy. Um, so we could film almost the whole way of the athletes. Uh, things to note from today... Well, I, I mean, the camera runners were, were phenomenal. Um, I tried to do my bit on the uphill. I want to say my bit. That's that's probably quite accurate in how far I was getting with uh, with some of the the top athletes when they were getting full full flog up that hill. But go back and watch day three. If you're going to watch any of the the days um, of the lives, um, the the three day three four roundup. They made these segments super short, so it was like a 300-metre run for the uphill, um, 350-metre for the sprint. The downhill, I, I, I'm not actually sure because I was in my section, but having looked at the footage, it's such smooth running through these forests, so fast, it's not technical. And it just means that the footage is beautiful. Um, but whoever, I think Flurry on the sprint section was running half the sprints with them and um, Robin who I was running with the up he ran um, I'd say a good half of it with Remy speaking to him as well so these these uh, camera cameramen are, they're such good athletes uh, it's day three for them as well I remember you know I ran 10 miles uh, 10 miles yesterday on day two um, so we're clocking almost as many miles as the the athletes. Um, I'm not, you know, certainly not not running as hard as them, but 
um, we're doing intervals all day long. So it's, it's a different kind of intensity. So these guys are just amazing. So go back and watch it. Um, what are the big stories from the day? There aren't any really, because it was just time trial. So there no big overtakes, um, segment to segment to segment. The men's were, I, I at the end of doing mine, I went and did the um, filmed the sprint segment with a camera. And it, it gave me a, an insight to how hard it is because I went as hard as I could. Um, the top five guys were all within a second. And um, Andre, who the Polish marathon runner from two days ago, he fell, got back up, carried on, and I think it was only two seconds down overall. So super close. I went and did it, did a Strava segment to compare myself. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm not in the running. I'm certainly not in the running. Um, but it, you're, if you think, think of running 320 metre, 350 metre speed, corners become incredibly hard. And right at the end, there's a blind corner that's incredibly knobbly. Um, and y- yeah, it, you just, it's, it's absolutely brutal because... It's almost like you're running into a bed of nails, full pelt on a turn that goes down um, with no no vision. So I don't know how more people didn't, didn't get down or break ankles. But um, El Hussein won. He's finally won a golden trout after three years of, of trying and blowing up. He blew up yesterday big time. Um, amazing to see. I'm, I wonder, and Greg asked, um, Greg runs a series, sets courses, he asked Remy whether he thought, because yesterday El Hussein was on Remy's shoulder the whole way. And same with day one, he was just running at his pace. And I know two years ago, Stian found it really frustrating to always have someone just on your shoulder. You're doing the work, you're making the decisions, you're setting the pace. And so yesterday, Remy decided to use that to his advantage on the uphill segment, which he won. He um, he just tried to bury El Hussein and, and Pecho, and, and his strategy was like, right, I'm going to take this to the max I can comfortably do it, because I don't think you can. He shook him off a bit, but then they they caught up on the downs and the flats. but And I think that was a real factor in them blowing up as much as their nutrition. So today, Remy had no idea where Al Hussein was. Remy was still going for the uphill segment, which he didn't get because there was uh, Morgan from uh, from America, uh, absolutely like focused on it, and he's super fast. But Al Hussein was just smooth. Nutrition's not a factor in a five k, and he actually won by a decent amount. So really nice to see, actually. Partly to tell a different story, but I think El uh, you know, he doesn't win many races really for his talent because he turns up to big races always. Um, doesn't tend to go for like, he does the opposite of us, doesn't go for the local hero. Um, Ali and Sophia ran their second race. They're missing tomorrow, it's missing tomorrow as well. Um, and they ran together because they were tight, they were positioned together, and they ran with music. (laughs) 
and he's still not got a backpack. She's still carrying around her rock. And they spent the day creating a, a, a playlist. They got lost three times on the route somehow. I, I didn't run it, the whole thing, so... So um, I think actually that, that probably cost them the win, so Ninka won again. Um, interestingly, though, some of the athletes were kind of coming to my room or kind of wandering around, and they're just a bit bored and not sure what to do because while we're in a lovely hotel, um, you, it's almost like you're trapped in the hotel because it's not directly onto a beach. It's all rocky, very wavy water here. So um, and the old town's a couple of miles. So I, I think people are actually getting a lot of time in this hotel. I think people are getting a bit bored, uh, especially um, I think the the athletes who aren't running every day. But go back and watch this if you if you have a chance. Day three, four live show. I'll just show you the footage of the intervals, and particularly the sprint and the one. Actually, even the uphill looks so fast because they're running so fast. But the sprint and the downhill run through trees. It, it, you, I, you don't get to see running like this ever, other than when someone says, look at me running um, this second, you know, look at me running fast, and they, one of their friends filmed themselves. But I can't think of any other race where they have cameramen... Um, who like Anthony is running in the open this year? He was the cameraman last year. You know these are the cameramen are good enough to race in the national series finals, and um, where you have cameramen filming really world class athletes running as fast as they can three hundred meters on trail. Um, it's amazing, and I just wished I could have run that downhill. I didn't didn't get a chance to even get to that stage of the course, and you see them running through trees, and it is beautiful. Again, though, very notable that while there were lots of men going for the segments, there was only one woman who went for the downhill, um, which is a real shame in some ways because it, it's just fun to have that that spice in the competition. Um, there were several men going for it. Uh, at least five. The sprint section, there were more than five men going for it. I think there are only two ladies going for it, one of which still came in 11th, who's just using it as part of our race, and, and Tabor in, still, in second was still using it as part of our race. So actually, no one was going, no one's focused just on the sprint, um, and one, only one athlete, female athlete, focused just on the uphill sprint. Um, I'm not quite sure why, because there are the same number of men and women here, and um, and there are a lot of athletes now who aren't racing for anything um, for their team or for the overall. So you know, there's money on the line. There's also uh, there's also just it's kudos and it is fun. So um, I'm going to ask some of the ladies today why they think fewer women are going for the segments because um, I want to see more women kicking ass. The footage is so wicked. All right, what's my summary for today? Not much left, actually. We're not doing the live today because we haven't got time to do the footage. Um, press conference starts at 9 o'clock. So this is late, 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 late. And uh, tomorrow, haven't even looked at the profile, but I know that it's huge climbing and super long. 
and the weather looks like it's going to be the same as yesterday's. So while I wouldn't wish it, um, I do think we're going to get a lot of people blowing up. And unlike previous days, I'm not doing the segments, I'm recording the uphill, the start of that, um, so I'll get a nice bit running there, but I'm, there's a very long downhill. Um, sharp, actually, there's a sharp downhill at the end, and I'm recording all that downhill. It's not a segment, but yesterday, that is where people were properly falling apart. And so today I'll get a chance to see that and actually be able to get real insight into what's going through the athlete's mind. Fingers crossed Bart's running today. He fell on day two, cut his knee open, stitched it up. It's swollen. When you have a, a stitch on your knee, you know, how can you can't, you struggle to move it. I think he's optimistic to run today or tomorrow. I really hope he does. But um, yeah, the multi-day is starting to take its toll. See you guys after the segments. I'm recording these after now because I've just got so much to do in the day that we um, I just don't have time to even record these. So I can't remember how much I've said previously and exactly what I covered, but um, I'll cover day four. Hopefully, that's uh, we're up to date where we are. Um, yeah, today the what I found most fascinating. So I was I was filming about three kilometres, four kilometres from the start, and the filming each runner. Um, some of them are broken, but it really amazed me. I was doing a kind of, not technical climb, but a little bit of a hilly climb, the type that you could run, but you're probably going to walk. Um, and actually, let's face it, probably most of us are too bad as most of this trail and um, it really surprised me that so many of the athletes almost were in a zone of this is what I do I'm running I'm running little steps I'm running and so I'd be filming by walking and walking walking away from them and that really surprised me that at points where it was just so obvious it was faster to walk they still were running. Not not many people, but I'd say about 25%. Um, I wasn't sure whether that was like a mindset or they just aren't used to running on terrain where they need to walk, so I hadn't occurred to them. Um, or there was intention, but in my head, I just thought, you can walk when you can, right? If it's, you do whatever's quickest, but if you can walk and be quicker, Oh, what a wonderful thing. You don't you don't feel as, as lazy for having to do it. And actually engaging slightly different muscle groups. Um, and what we've what we've seen on this tour, like Nick is so super fast, but on really steep stuff, because she's a road she's come from a more of a road running background, she's not actually quite as good those climbs, even though she's the best climber, than some of the other guys who um, are trained for it, are uh, more kind of all-round trail. So that fascinated me. Then, onto the downhill. So it, it was a up-down, up-down race today, and the final downhill was where a huge number of people were pushing, and <laughs> I was out of my... I was above my skill level. I was out of my comfort zone for sure. Um, it's, it's really been maybe five years since I've raced on trail. 
and probably even four years since I've run down here on the trail, um, probably. And so we, I had to hike up right to the top and film as many people coming down as possible. And it was switchbacks and technical. And it really, really made me appreciate just how good some of the camera runners are because um, it, it was just too technical for me to be able to do all of them at the pace of the front runners. Ooh, half an hour later. <laughs> yeah, the hard thing it is you've got no time to really speed up. You've got to be able to suddenly hit their pace without any run-up and often without any warning. So if you imagine you suddenly drive, you suddenly land driving in a Formula One car in a Formula One race when you've just been watching on the sideline. That's how it feels when they come by because you you don't have any time to, to try, to try and get into your rhythm, um, particularly not in this top technical section. And actually, it was just, I just wasn't good enough at it because not only have you got that... When I hold my camera, it's actually, it's, it's not a GoPro tripod uh, attachment. I've got a long stick that I think is used for general filming with some rocks taped to one end and the GoPro taped to the other. It's about a metre long. And so um, when you get to the turns, they're really, some of them quite knobbly. And so you're having to watch your feet. And obviously as you turn... If the camera's on the inside, it's not so bad. But if it's on the outside, you're going all the way round. And so you're going to miss the athlete completely. So do you wait until they're right on you and then try and quickly turn with them? But that, you're going to get in their way. And so um, you then have to almost tra- somehow, well, choose to trans- not transfer the, the hand or not. Um, or you just have to somehow get ahead and film the turn. Um, but you're trying to always keep them in the camera. So I've learned afterwards that what you need to do really is sprint in the middle bits, get ahead um, so you can manage the turn a bit better. And depending on what, what you're running on, if you're knobbly, it's super hard to keep the camera straight. And on certain, if you're, say you're doing steps, you're actually flat, even though you're running uphill. So you naturally carry the camera pointing horizontally and so when you're not only if you've got all these factors but you have to then also be thinking of how is the camera in relation to the angle of the ground so uh yeah yesterday was quite a bit of uh obviously it's now yesterday i'm recording waiting for the runners now um I'll, i'd say that bin i'll re- remove that bit i'll say um pretend it's today so today was quite a bit of humble pie because I just didn't have the uh, didn't have the skills and twice the runners were just closing in on me too much. It was single track and there was nowhere to kind of step off and I just had to crash out, just go into bushes um, and just hope that I wasn't going to get too hurt um, because otherwise they're going to run into you or there's going to be a crash. So um, I've got quite a few scrapes. Um, Thankfully, after that, I and and I've realised when when I'm when I film in the future, often you run up to so you can run down and end up where you started, so you don't have to do too many miles, and you can then get to the next section. But it's really about thinking 
looking where you're running and which parts can you control the environment a bit better. So as soon as Remy and Roy Ueda um, from Japan, who's super fast downhill, came past me, I descended a little bit and managed to find a 400-metre section of trail that I thought I could... I can run shadows back and forth on this. Um, I, I, can, I know the rocks. I know I can run this um, filming well. And so I then changed my strategy quite a lot to just be making sure I was always at a place I could film um, no matter what the athletes were doing. Um, and, and actually from that point on, it became a lot easier to trail. So it was just super fun. Um, in the race itself... Remy was going to go out quietly, um, go out softly. He's He's got the race um, pretty much sewn up. He just needs to finish in top 30, I think, um, in one of the two last two days. So he was going to go out relaxed, but then Elusine, uh, no, sorry, Manu, uh, Manu Marias, who's um, from Portugal, he attacked quite early on the first hill. And I think Remy was like, this is my territory, how dare you? and then just took off, um, kind of poked the bear, which meant the race was super fast. Um, the the interesting part now in the men's is that El Hussein in, in today um, just stuck on people's shoulders. He's I don't think he's as confident on the downhills. For a change, he didn't stick with the leaders, um, so he's clearly learning something about pacing. But he just follows people all the way down the hills and they're better downhill runners, but they're making all the decisions and they're choosing the path. So it's an incredibly annoying strategy, but it's a, it's a very effective strategy because you can run far faster than if you're by yourself. And he knew, oh, I think he knew, but um, at most of the downhills, they, they become less technical, the closer to the finish typically. And today's had a bit of an up and a bit of uh, fairly fast running. And so he just sat on their tails and kicked at the end, which now means he's in third place after yesterday's win. And Thibaut is in second place, who is best friends with Remy. So um, that means for the final stage, they're in a position where Thibaut could definitely be caught by El Hussein. El Hussein probably needs to win it, though. And... If El Hussein comes second, Thibaut, I think, needs to come fifth to to keep hold of second. So today, Remy's running, um, and he's running, I think, more for Thibaut than for anyone else. At, at breakfast, he was like, yeah, but he has to he has to race against two. So uh, the, the form Remy's in at the moment is just so comfortable. And everyone else is being gassed and he's, he's now winning by minutes. So I think he'll just have a lovely run and still smash everyone. But there's a chance that El Hussein is going to um, is going to go all out. And there may be a, a situation where Remy has to decide if El Hussein somehow beats him again today. Remy has to decide, well, do I hold on to my second place or do I need to drop back three or four more places to make sure Thibaut is ahead of me so that extra place could win him the overall second place um, I, I kind of hope that happens just to see what his decision is um, I, I think he probably would drop back actually I really do and 
if we probably just go for some segments but um I've now moved on to today's... To and then in the women's, the Yankees got it sewn up. Sophia turned up, which no one expected, and um, which she had a right raw battle with Ninka, overtook her at one point, and then it was just a... There was a fast bit at the top. Ninka got a commanding lead, and it was just, can you reel her in? But all the way down the field now, there's... There's so many battles for top 10 places, which all count for a fair bit of dif- difference in money. Um, so we're going to the last day and um, people know who they need to race and what position they need to be in. And so some people will be going out just as a limpet on their shoulder. And the race, <laughs> the course today is kind of hilariously brutal. It starts halfway up the hill and it goes to the highest point of the Madeira. Then it goes down and it does this beautiful trail that at, at the turn, just for the turnaround point, you have cliff drops on either side. Um, it is roped, so it's safe, but they'll be running all on these steps, these really hard steps. I've just done it and turning around. There's tourists on the route. Some of them with poles, even though it's steps. So you're going to have a cameraman on a runner running in one direction. They then turn around and a cameraman on a runner in the other direction with potentially tourists in the middle. So this is going to be proper carnage. But it also means race in race terms. It is an out and back and then down. So you go 2,000 metres down and I think only 1,400 metres up. Exactly the same route up and down with an extension. So in the battles, people are going to be able to see exactly where their opposition are and how they look as well. So I think there's going to be a lot of race tactics coming into this and quite a lot of um, strategy of making sure you look good when you need to because you, you you want to make sure they think you've got no chance of attacking. So um, I think my filming is going to be a bit easier today other than how dense it's going to be with people. Um, I'm filming that top bit, which should be super fun. Um, but tired legs, they're building up. I'm out of my comfort zone again. And uh, yeah, it's going to be... It's just going to be incredible, actually, to see. Instead of it, it's, it's no longer about the win today. Ninka and Remy have already won the series. Today's race is about all those minor battles. And uh, having looked at the GPS of them running up to me right now, it's already on. See you in a bit. A couple of obse- observations that have, have really fascinated me and entertained me along this week... Um, one of them is in the press conference, uh, Petro Mamu, um, who came third on day three. He's a really experienced runner. He's won Sierra's now before. He's, um, I think he's been maybe even world trail champion once before. And he fell apart on day two. So in the conference, the press conference on day three, it's my job to get it going make sure everyone has at least one question that there's some entertainment that there's kind of some insight for the journalists who sat there because they're quite unchatty in in press conference and um 
Pe- Petra actually asked Remy, like, how 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 are you so good, like, day to day to day? Because he's clearly he's clearly out, utterly broken. I just love the fact that Petro, even in his uh, mid thirties, is there. Like, I want to learn. How do I do it? Um, and I just thought it was wonderful. Someone else to watch out for, just to follow on Instagram, who's brilliant, is Ali McLaughlin, Ali Mack. She um, she won the first race, but she um, she's actually come with six different fancy dress outfits. <laughs> I'm still not 100% sure why. Yesterday she wasn't racing, so she dressed up like, um, is it Maureen, the, the character for Fight Club, and went out on the course to, um, to entertain people. Today, the, the final stage, she's, it's her birthday, she's dressed as Harlequin, and the name of her dog, and I think her favourite fictional character. I just think she's brilliant. To, to come to a World Series finals and to have that level of organisation about your costume just shows commitment to fun. So um, get following on Instagram, and uh, I'll take some updates from the party because I'm sure she's going to be wild. It's quite a mix of... Um, it's, it's great to see the mix of the National Series and the Elites coming together. In the races, it's been brilliant. Um, Marlin, who I mentioned before, uh, Marlin Dossa, she came fifth, day four, um, which I think puts her leading the overall National Series. Um, and she, she'd be in the top ten of the elite field as a 19-year-old, just incredible. Um, but... And I, I'm trying to figure out whether there, whether there's any tension between these two groups. I don't think there is, generally, except each night we film a live update um, where we show all the footage of the day and then we talk about what happened. And during that, on YouTube, I'm not going to say who, but one of the athletes said, this race is only for the elites. The elites get an elite, like, jumper, um, hoodie, like, why don't we get one? Um, which I just thought was was just crazy. Um, but I, 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 it makes me question whether it, it is seen as being uh, separate. Because, I mean, it is separate. The elites have qualified on a different tour, different points, different prizes. Um, but it just really shocked me that, as you know, as a runner where... We've talked quite a lot on the podcast about the differences between kind of UTMBs, your Gold Trail, um, and for me, Gold Trail really are good to athletes. So you've run a national series, you've done well, you get free flights, you get free races, you then get free accommodation in an all-you-can-eat, I think it's like a four, four, four-and-a-half-style resort all week in Madeira. And... Um, it amazes me that someone's angry saying, I want more. Like, why aren't you giving me more? It, it, it just, the level of, um, just the fact that the, the lack of gratitude more than anything else, because I just think you were so, I, you know, I feel so incredibly lucky to be part of this tour. And um, as an athlete, to have, to have done well in a couple of races in your country and to get all of that, for free is insane. If you think about most races, you don't get prize money. 
let alone to then be on this tour where there's prize money for the finals and the opportunity to then join the elites next year, we can travel with the tour. Like, and f- for what? For nothing. For nothing. All they ask is that you, when you post the co- the content they create for you, you keep their their tags on it. Um, so I'm trying to I'm trying to do some digging now to find out whether this is like a commonly held view, like of this resentment, or whether it's just one person who is just utterly, utterly ungrateful. And in my mind, I quite happily kick him off the tour because if if someone's that demanding when they've had all that put in front of them, imagine they start to do well, how much of a, a nightmare they're going to become. Um, but I've got to warm up. They're going to be coming soon. Turns out you should never drink the water. Um, Danny at Marino is already on day two, um, her first day running. She, she, I know since having interviewed her, um, was feeling just tired on the first uphill. And given she's a super, super le- high-level athlete, but also is someone who knows, uh, knows how to pace supremely well for the day, um, warning flags so she had a drip and um as i've mentioned previously but it, it turns out now there have been more athletes who've just been throwing up endlessly um so Tabor henning from uh, from the states who's been pushing hard um you know, her first golden trail right on the cusp of the the top 10 overall and we've since discovered that you shouldn't drink the tap water which I don't know if that's obvious or not at all obvious. I still haven't decided. We're in Madeira, an island, but it's part of Portugal. The hotel doesn't have tap water, so it doesn't have bottled water in the rooms, as you'd sometimes expect. But because it's an all-you-can-eat hotel and an all-you-can-drink hotel as such, they left these big reusable bottles in the room and suggested you fill them up from the numerous they'd implied numerous water stations throughout the hotel which is probably true if you're spending your time here as a tourist where you're by the pool and you never really leave the the canteen or the poolside whereas um for the athletes there aren't any outside these areas there's no water um places to fill up water and so i immediately like many others just filled up with tap water and it turns out that was a really bad idea. Um, I don't know whether my years of drinking shitbox chicken and abusing my body or whether my, uh, my recent obsession with kefir and sauerkraut has meant that I was all right. Um, but by coincidence, on day kind of two, I stopped using tap water anyway because I was filling up when I was in dinner or was in breakfast with no, in, you know, no real um, thought behind that. So... The there's a few athletes from the national series, series as well, and people have ended up hospitalised um, from the impact of it because everyone's so drained anyway when they're racing. I think add in whatever this bug in the water is, and um, it's just tipped them over the edge. So it just seems crazy that we've had now people turning up to the events where. can you ever trust the water of a country (laughs) and I was thinking about the countries I would and I wouldn't and it comes down to almost prejudice where 
Would you trust the order in Germany? Yeah, I think so. Spain? I think so. But then is it wise now to ever trust water knowing that there could be issues? Um, And small margins like this where you've been building up your whole season, your whole year, and your contracts could depend on it. And something small like that just changes everything. Day five, final day. Here we go. Um, so the, the titles have already been won. And what, what's exciting about the fifth day is that we actually know the proper battles. You've already got a sense of who's in, a, who's in rough competition for places of who. But on the last day, we actually know what is achievable because it's 100 points for a win, 88 for second, I think 72 for third. And so the gaps between athletes on the last day, um, those who are intelligent enough to, to analyse it, then know who they, whose shoulder they need to be on. So Greg has, I think the, the intent always with, with when Greg does races is ideally to finish in town so you get loads of support. Um, also, it's easier. People don't mind hanging around for as long, waiting for everyone else to get buses back. Um, but to really create a something a little bit different and that is quite challenging um, mentally for the athletes. So it's a similar height in elevation up, 1,400 metres, 1,500 metres up. But you then come back straight back down exactly the same trail. And the top looks like Game of Thrones, where I, I don't know if you've seen the episodes, they go to this this area that almost seems to be in the clouds that is unattackable because you just can't access it. Um, this has got single track, um, or well, single and a half track, but all steps, granite steps with drops on either side. Because it's very touristy, it's got, does have um, handholds but the athletes will be able to clock their competition and know exactly how they're looking but how far their lead is um, and there's areas in there where there will be an athlete with a camera going in each direction and tourists so the filming could be carnage uh, particularly with it's, it's hilly so it's ups and downs so massively different speeds I'm near the top. I don't think I'm quite in that section. Um, I'm just below it. Well, I'll be, I'll be filming the, the steep climbs and descents, hoping it's not too technical after yesterday. The, um, the real excitement from today, let's have a think. The real excitement from today for me is the battle of second and third in the men's. Thibaut from France, he's, been, he's one of those runners that he's always up there. He never seems to, to to get that high on the podium. But because this has been a series, his kind of fourth, fifth, sixth places have all been adding up. So he's now second in the overall rankings. Um, it's partly down to Elisine, who's in third, couldn't travel to the States um, because of his... He, he can't get a visa. Um, he's Moroccan, he's moved to Switzerland, and... That's that's just difficult for the season because 
it means you've got to do well in Zagama, where Killian was, <laughs> and Sierra Zanao, which is a faster race and invites a lot of road runners and people who are on the cusp of, of trail and ultra. And so if you look at the results of this year, I mean, Killian was in six, but to be fair to him, he did have COVID. Um, but they were both won by Kenyans. As we know, one of them was has since been banned. Um, but it's it's extremely hard as a an out-and-out trail runner to do well at Sierras now unless you have the kind of heart of a half-marathon runner. So El Hussein's in third, and El Hussein's not well known for his his race strategy, typically. But yesterday he was for the first time. He didn't go with Remy. Um, he didn't go with, with Manu. And it could be that we actually, we finally see a forced change on how he thinks. And I've, I've interviewed him about yesterday and it was absolutely uh, one of the hardest interviews I've ever done. Um, it was a language barrier and we were partly using French, partly using English, Arabic is his second language Berber is his first which Google Translate sadly doesn't have but I realised through the interview that I'm not sure we have a similar approach to to our brains almost Um, we'd explain exactly what we want very clearly like step by step and I'm not sure whether he just didn't understand or whether he was thinking about something else or whether he just interprets things very differently to everyone else. And he'd just go on these... He'd, talk, he'd always give an answer, but <laughs> I never had any idea how it related to anything we'd said, even when we said, repeat after me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he's he's hard to predict in a race for that reason. And he needs to come. If he wins, Remy needs to come third. If he comes second, Remy needs to come fourth. Past that, the the gaps between the places, the points difference, aren't quite substantial jumps. So actually, Thibaut will almost certainly get him. But it does mean that today, Remy has said that at breakfast this morning, like, as like, oh, so Thibaut, how are you feeling? Third, fourth, and Remy went. He's got, to, he's got to beat two people, implying that Remy is running to win to make sure it's harder for Hussein. So we'll see, we'll see what strategies they both have. Typically, El Hussein sits on people's shoulders and bugs the hell out of them, and he knows he's got super fast road speed, and hopefully that helps him. Um, and it certainly would do today, because after they've come back down, They've extended the downhill. So there's 2,000 metres of downhill, a lot of it on road to take you into town at the end. So it's going to be absolutely brutal on the legs. And we're going to see some massive comebacks. Outside of that, there's quite a few places that, that could change. And um, But because people are so knackered and just so ruined, I think there's a few, like, for example, Bailey and Caitlin, where... I think they both know already going into today that it's going to happen, that that Bailey's going to come higher because her her form is just so much better right now. Well, toodles. Last day in the clouds. 
Oh my, oh my. Um, it's not often you do a job where you think this is genuinely one of the most fun things I can do right now. I ended up, so we, we get up to the clouds super early and uh, to the very peak. And um, I was checking out where I could film and filming Remy coming up, filming everyone coming up. It was so steep on these kind of wooden grassy steps that I could just walk it because you just can't run at that steepness after 1,500 metres. But then filming, filming uh, one of the athletes coming up, female athletes, suddenly Remy comes down and you then have this choice of, right, what's more important, filming the mid-pack female up, which is pretty boring, or the downhill male when at the front where you might not be able to keep up, so <laughs> it's too risky. But um, I'd missed one group filming Elise and suddenly Elisine, Petrumama and Tebow will go past. And remember what I'd said earlier, this is the group where Elisine's leading out or, or Petrumama was and Tebow sat behind. So clearly the roles were reversed and Tebow's just thinking... All I need to do is keep him in sight and all is good. Um, so they, they, uh, they're having to cut through quite a few runners coming up. Um, one of the runners runs into another <laughs> because they're trying to cut down and jump off the route to just not lose pace. Um, I then have to try and chase them down, which eventually I do, but it, that these these steps then turn left down the hill and open up into bigger steps where you can go. So the next set, the next turnaround, suddenly I've got four runners. Thomas Roach from the UK, who's representing Austria, super fast. He's a kind of sixty-four minute half marathon runner, I think, and he's followed by Robert Pekemboy, uh, Kenyan, super fast someone else I think Manuel from Austria as well and then Roy Ouida Roy Ouida is former Sky Race world champion and I've not I can't publish it yet because the rules are you're not allowed to publish anything before Golden Trail has because they almost don't want you to to ruin the the big moment and I think the best moment of, of filming of today was four of them coming down and as soon as they hit that turn, Roy Reader opens up his legs and absolutely flies by everyone at a pace. I don't think I've ever seen that close up in a race against three people who are serious level athletes. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can... I don't know my permissions yet. I don't know when I'm allowed to share or even if I'm allowed to share because normally you have to have the, the golden trail logo over the top of it so but i i film and going past i then swear <laughs> turn the camera film him and i'm then caught in this moment of like well is it better for me to chase him from behind or is it better for me to film the rest and given that patrick pekemboy was in a battle with um, eli hemming and uh manu um i then decide to like film them one by one let them overtake me film them one by one but in the course of that, you end up running half a mile, maybe maybe more, because it's just going by so quickly under your feet. 
And uh, then jogging back up and being able to do that with every single runner as they go flat out is just so super fun. So um, it's reminded me how much I love doing that Manby Mountain type thing, um, Manby Lakes, that you just, in, in road running, in ultra running, you just don't get the moment of running faster than you can normally run because of hills and just trying to control it. So the race itself, um, they, the, as I was talking, El Hussein, Thibaut, Petromamu, all together, they fly down the hill and um, they pull away from Thibaut a little bit, which, is, which isn't a problem at all because Thibaut's still in fourth. Even if El Hussein comes second, he's fine. But Roy, with 20 kilometers or I think maybe 18 kilometers 2000 meters of descent flies through the pack he overtakes all of them for second place and something that I I didn't know would happen I didn't predict would happen Elisine and Petro Mama Elisine says to Petro like look if you're gonna go because between the two Petro Mama is Petro Mama is a, is a road runner from at heart like super fast. El Hussein very fast, but probably actually it, it depends on the terrain. And so Petromamu, um he's like, all right, I'm going to go because it helps me to help you. Um, and so they work together to, to try and bring in Roy. So at this stage, um, all Thibaut knows is Roy's gone past him. There's a chance I might be in third. Roy overtakes them all, which means Tebow's back in seconds. And then they work together and they reel him in. And it's not until near the end that El Hussein then drops Petromamu to come second in the series, which is just an incredible finish to the season, really. Especially when it's been looking like Remy's going to win from day, day one of the five-day series to actually have such a battle all the way to the line. It's brilliant where the course makes such a difference to the rankings. In the ladies, Ali Mack, I've talked about her already. She dressed up because <laughs> it was her birthday as, um, what's the name of, um, Harley Quinn. So she's gone out in full fancy dress. She was resting yesterday and she's gone out super hard. Ninka tried to go with her, just couldn't. And uh, so from start to finish, she's led. And she is so super fun. Um, so the end of the season, we've got um, first Ninka, second Sophia Locally, who her first season of trail running has come from Nordic skiing. She's an Olympian. Really fun as well. And, and, and Sarah, Sarah Alonso, who's a firecracker for third, which... Yeah, brilliant result for her in uh, her second proper season. The the real difference between the men's and the women's is that two of the the main athletes didn't run every day. Well, three of you include Danny, but Ali Mack only raced three days. She won two of them. She got lost on one of them. And Sophia Luckley, um, who was only going to run two or three days because of her training, ended up running on the fourth day and only deciding um, when she looked at the money, did the maths, knowing basically if she runs, 
she'll get second overall. So she ran day four as well. And that leaves anticipation for next year because both of them came into the season late. And Maud's been injured this year. She's out to the World Trail Champs, which is happening for me in two days' time. Um, and so next year, I th- they, they alternate the series and the one-race final. So next year, a final where there isn't back-to-back and everyone potentially can race every race. Ninka Maud, if she hopefully recovers, Ali and Sophia locally, all four of them could win. You throw into the mix Blondine Lohrondel, who has won CCC. She's going to the World Trail Champs as kind of favourite for that. She's won the Euro Champs. The, the competition in women's trail running right now is incredible. And next season, assuming they all go to the Golden Trail, is going to be fascinating to see who wins out of them and how they battle against each other. Um, the Sophia and, and, um, and, and Ali actually decided they'd almost divide and conquer. Day four, Sophia would race. And day five, Ali would race. But then Sophia stayed in um, because... Um, not, not that she'd gone back on anything she said, but stayed in knowing just run reasonably well to finish. Um, so, yeah, end of season's been incredible. The the National Trail people seem to be absolutely buzzing because imagine that, five days free holiday. Um, and tonight is the party, but we've got to do seven more interviews and I'm producing the edit for the live show. If you haven't had the chance to see the live show, go and watch them. Um, it's quite... <laughs> it's almost crashing because... No one seems to really be watching them. And I think there's an element of Greg's trying to... So Greg manages the series. Greg's trying to produce a product that we can show is... It can be shown live um, or near to live. And tonight especially, all of the athletes are going to be at the awards ceremony. And then there's a, a beer like a beer party afterwards, um, which all of which I've just been working through and we'll be doing our live show. But the, the, the issue with communication right now between social media is I think the, the Golden Trail account has 100,000 followers on Instagram, but it's so hard to actually, if you put your content out, people no longer really see it. And so... On YouTube, we don't really have that many followers. Um, we've probably got 50, 60, but 60,000. But um, we've been making these shows which are so incredibly time pressured because you've got eight camera people that you have to then edit down to a 10 minute. We then talk over the live, but also have to understand the insight from the athletes and do interviews with them. All while we're traveling back. Um, and having to then grab the time and various other things we're having to do. So um, we're doing all of that for kind of two, 3,000 people watching live, which is, I mean, it's, it's a number, but when you think how much work goes into it and how many people, it is a little bit heartbreaking. 
and I'm sure that those numbers will, will, will grow quite steadily over the coming weeks. But the, the Golden Trail, I think, and, and races now, uh, without it being on a TV channel, you almost need to have an email list to be able to update people of when it is because um, Brucey didn't know there was a, a live show. I'm sure none of you did. Um, and, and even her, one of her work colleagues, who's one of the, the most diehard uh, running geeks for trail, had no idea. And so it's really tricky to communicate when you've built up all of your following on social media because you can no longer control them seeing it. Um, and because we've been previously on YouTube doing more like TV shows, we've never been saying the, hey, click, like, subscribe, follow, that are just plastered through YouTube videos, that you actually need to remind people to follow and subscribe. And we've had, we've had a, you know, our episodes for the, the, the full series are getting over a million views, but you're still, we've still only got 60,000 followers. Whereas you'd really think if, some, if a million people have watched a series, they'd subscribe because surely there's an interest there. Uh, but you've got to ask people when we haven't been. So uh, I'm going to flag this with, with the leadership team. So first address party. <laughs> there's been quite a bit of negotiation between the leadership and the hotel on where and when we can we can actually have this party and it seems there's been a communication error at some point and <laughs> the window for opportunity is, is shorter than we'd hope um but there's it's, it's a really it's a really strange setup because in in the restaurants and there's a like a pool cafe that has drinks on tap you you can serve yourself but you can't really... I don't think they've set, set up the um, for a, a situation where they've got 120 people all, um, all wanting to go as heavy as possible. So all the barrels have run out. We've, I've been, <laughs> I've been changing barrels and then been caught by staff where you're kind of like... Well, I'm dressed as the Quartz programme vampire and full medical gear and um, test tubes for blood and stuff. So it's quite hard to explain the situation. They're not best pleased, but then at the same point, we want to go hard. We don't want to wait. Um, and party finished at 12, and so we, we then, then just had to find kind of a local bar. <coughs> it's €1.30 for a tequila slammer. <laughs> and there's karaoke. So... Um, I don't actually remember too much of last night. I've got to be honest. I, I think I was dehydrated going in. I hadn't really eaten all day. And um, unfortunately, both my alarms didn't go off this morning. So I've woken up. I've missed the bus. <laughs> um, thankfully, the the way they schedule, you're going for a bus that gets you in at three and a half hours early. So I'm in a taxi. Um but I, I just realised, I took a photo for the group to tell everyone what's happened, but I forgot, I'm still wearing all my makeup, which includes a really realistic black eye and blood coming down my fangs. So <clears throat> I'm going to look fairly weird throughout this, this journey. 
um, looking rough and uh, yeah, fully Halloweened up. But insight into the girl and child, trying to think if there's anything else I've missed. No, I think I've probably covered most things, maybe exhaustively. And so apologies if this is too long. Um, I've been so frazzled, it's quite hard to actually remember what I've been talking about. And I'm just trying to sneak in seconds of recording when I can, while it's still fresh. But it's it's been the probably the busiest week of my life. I've never worked that intently from morning to night. Um, and God bless, one of the film crew was ill throughout. Um, but... That the go and go and have a look at some of the live stuff. Um, we've got the episode coming out later because the footage is just just being able to get in amongst the runners. I don't think you can see people run as fast on trail like in races anywhere else in the world. Um, there's rumors abound about what's going to happen next year for the series. Um, when when you grab me for a pint at some point ask me about it and I tell all um although I don't even know if I know everything because it's so it's so rumor based um but I'll certainly be back and let me know your feedback do batters we we've really struggled this last 18 months to be able to record as regularly as we do because prior to I guess prior to caffeine bullet really me me recruiting and having a team I was able to to dedicate more time to the podcast and JD's always been super busy so it's been how do we shape things around his his schedule whereas now we're both in that position and it so the the hope was an episode like today is not just about being able to give a slightly different story to insight of what it's like to go on tour in a a race like this, but also to allow us to actually get an extra episode um, while I'm away so that we haven't got huge gaps. But do you think it works? Do you think it... Not, did, I mean, it, was it too long? Um, I assume the next one will be shorter because I'm. this was almost an intro to the tour and I'll I'll go in there with assumed knowledge that you know what it's like to film on the downs and um, all the stresses around like that. But let me know your feedback. If you like this episode... Um, but good episodes to listen to are um, we, we interviewed Nika, Nika Brinkman, um, who is bronze European marathon champion as well on her first year in the tour. We spoke to John, John Album, several times. He's, he's run these races and, and done well. Courtney DeWalter, who did one recently. Um, and also we spoke to Madness, um, Francesco Pupi, who was a road runner, trail runner, hybrid. And it was right in the middle of his contract negotiations where at the time there were, there's no one in Nike for him to report into, even though he was contracted by them, bizarrely. Um, and there's quite an insight into what happens when a large company changes its its structure and, and the impact that can have for athletes. If, you, if you'd love to leave a review, the, the key word of the day is beefler. Beefler, it's a French word I learnt um, <laughs> from Ines Bessie. Um, so if you're going to relieve, relieve a review, try and get that in context. And that's just in, guys. We'll see you next time. But a bye, 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 but a bye, 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 bye. Baby, baby.
must admit I was a clown to be messing around. But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. Come back. Yes, and give me one more try. Cause a love like this should I never ever die. Come back. Fuck you, buddy. 